What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Transform Podcast. Again, a podcast where we discuss things to help us live our lives better today than we did yesterday and to live tomorrow better than we did today. As always, I'm so grateful and appreciative of you being with me today on this podcast. It's crazy to think we're already a week uh, a week in, a full week into season number three of the Scattered Abroad Network, in particular this podcast transformed podcast. It's also crazy to me uh, to think that we're already a whole like week and a half into our new year. It is crazy how quickly time flies, but I hope that you're having a great new year, a great start. I hope if you have any resolutions that you're sticking to them and that you're doing all that you can to be the best that you can be for Almighty God, because ultimately that is our purpose while we are here on this earth. Again, as always, if you have uh, any questions about the network, just jump to our show notes below. You can go to our website, scatteredabroad.org. You can check out any of our other plethora of podcasts that we offer, and hopefully it is there will be things that will be beneficial and helpful to you. Also, and I haven't really said this before, but if you have any critiques for us, I, I, we're still in our, kind of in our infancy stage. We've only been going for about a year, um, and so if you have any critiques, please reach out to us, help us. Um, we, we will, we need all the help that we can get. Um, so if you have any of those things, uh, reach out to us. Also, I wanted to mention this too. Um, we are going to do our best. The network is to be at just about every single major event, um, within the brotherhood. Um, so things like Memphis school of preaching lectures, polishing the pulpit, get well lectures, power lectures, um, possibly even the freed lectures, um, different places like that. We're going to do our best to get a booth there. So if you're at any of those places, come by and see us. Um, definitely uh, you can grab some, some different merch that we have pins, um, uh, um, pins. We don't have a whole lot of other stuff. We have stickers and other things, uh, like that. Um, but, uh, just come by and see us, come by and say hello. Um, and hopefully, um, you, you'll, you'll be able to say hi and just kind of reach out to us and maybe build some relationships with us. Now, all of that being said, let's jump into our study. We have been going through Second Peter chapter 1, and really just um, based off of last week, we just did a little bit of introduction, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to continue in our introduction, lay some groundwork, and kind of get the context before we dive into this idea of adding these Christian graces into our lives so that we can live the best Christian life, because overall, our theme for this season is Christian living, particularly what is Christian living. Now, if we continue on in our text, you notice that Peter talks about this idea of a like precious faith. Now, I want to read a few passages um, of Scripture as we go through. And if you hear me clicking and typing, it's because I'm typing these passages into my computer so I can read them. It's a little bit faster than me flipping um, to them in, in my actual Bible. So bear with me if you hear that noise in the background. But let me talk a little bit about faith. And I want to look at a few passages and point out how important faith truly is to the New Testament Christian. Galatians chapter 1, beginning of verse 23, the Bible says, but they were hearing only, notice this, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith, which he once tried to destroy. I think about Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 27, the Bible says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together, notice this, for the faith of the gospel. Top of another passage, 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, the Bible says to Timothy, a true son, notice this, in the faith. 
excuse me, in the faith. Go a few passages later, 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning of verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from, notice this, the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. How about another one? 1 Timothy chapter 5, notice verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied, notice this, the faith, and is worse than an unbeliever. Notice another passage, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and also notice here now in verse 10. For the love of money is the root is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Continue on in that chapter. You go all the way down to verse 21. The Bible says, by professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you and amen. How about 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Notice verse 8. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, notice this, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. Last passage I'll read to you here. Jude and verse 3. Beloved, the writer says, while I was while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. What did you notice? Just as I quickly read through these passages, what did you notice about the word faith? I want you to notice the one word that came before it in every single passage. It was the word the, the word the faith. You and I understand that there is no other quote unquote faith that can lead us to the source of salvation. There is nowhere else you and I could ever go if we wanted to obtain salvation and to be able to have our opportunity of going to heaven. Peter understood this. He understood that there was no one else to whom anyone could go for anything successful in this life. In fact, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16, what did he say? Jesus said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's important to notice the singularity of the faith that Peter talks about. It is the faith. Nowhere else you and I could turn to. As you continue through your passage here, as we're going through this this background and this context, as we walk through, he transitions and he talks about this idea of righteousness. And I want to read a quote that I found was interesting. The quote says this, The righteousness of God, of course, is the foundation of the entire universe. You and I can, when we think about the righteousness of God, I want you to think about how it's virtually synonymous with the justice of God. We understand that God is pure. God is perfect. He is just. Everything about God is right. There is no evil, wicked, horrible, terrible, anything like that within him. And thus, we understand that without the righteousness of God, without his justice, without his right being, we would have access to nothing. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Everybody quotes Romans 1 and verse 16. In fact, we quoted it just a minute ago, or excuse me, just last week ago um, in, in our study then. Romans 1 and verse 16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that's great. But we stop there so many times, don't we? But what is the very next verse? For in it, what's it? For in the gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You and I have to have an understanding of the gospel. 
And we have to understand that it leads us to having an understanding and appreciation of the righteousness of God when we appreciate what the gospel is doing for us, as does his grace and his peace. You look there at verse two of our passage, and it talks about these two things. You know, when I think about grace, um, I think about the fact that grace is something that you and I never ever will deserve. That, that's what grace is. Getting something that you and I never and will never deserve. Coming in the form and the sacrifice of Jesus. That's the grace that you and I get, isn't it? That's what you and I have today. In fact, I think about an, an acronym that people use for the word grace, God's righteousness at Christ's expense. It came in the form and the sacrifice of Jesus, didn't it? Romans five chapter uh, Romans chapter five verses six through eleven. It talks so much um, about the love of Jesus, and that's exactly right. That's why he came to this earth. John three and verse sixteen. The Bible says that God so loved the world. Romans five. There again, you look at verse eight that God demonstrates or shows us His love uh, towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But within all of that is also the grace of God in that you and I did not deserve it. But then he also talks about peace. You know, when I think about the word peace, I think about how it is definitely something that is lost on our world today, at least over the last couple of years. Um, anyway, with everything that has been going on, every single uh, disappointment and discouragement and trial that you and I have had to go through over the last couple of years, everybody wants to have peace. Everybody wants to be in that state of not worrying and not wanting and not knowing. But where do you get that? Where do you get that grace and that peace? Well, notice this. In the knowledge of God. Within the knowledge of God. That is where you get it. And that is exactly what Peter tells us in this text. It is so vital that you and I understand that when we study about God, we understand who he is. And what he has done for us. Without our knowledge of him, you and I won't know who it is that's providing us with that grace and peace, will we? We won't understand and know who it is that's giving us all of the things that we have if we don't study about God and who he is. How do you find that? How do you find that grace? How do you find that peace within the knowledge of him? Now, here's an interesting thought. Oftentimes, when you see the word knowledge within scripture, it is the word, the Greek word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. And that is just this generic idea of simply having knowledge, of simply just knowing. But what is interesting is when you look at this passage here, it is actually the word epinosis, this idea of coming to a full knowledge, this idea of a knowledge towards an object that is ever maturing and yet something that is never matured. You want to understand that the knowledge of God is something that is so important for you and I to have. We know that is so it is so important for you and I to obtain that and to grasp it and then to keep it into our lives. But knowing that you and I will never know everything that there is to know about God. That's how vast God is. We're commanded to have knowledge and yet you want to understand we can't know everything about it. So, I guess that kind of naturally begs the question. We have the knowledge of God, don't we? We have the knowledge of God, so what do we do with it? Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we're commanded to go and to teach all nations. Mark 16, 15 and 16, we're commanded to go and teach every creature. Luke 24, verse 47, we're commanded that repentance and remission of sins be preached. 
Acts 8 and verse 4, persecution scattered the Christians, and yet because of that, they were able to go out and preach and teach. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, Paul's command to go and to preach regardless of the circumstances. I think you get the picture. We have the knowledge of God, so what do we do with it? We go out and we tell it to others. But specifically within this idea, what do we preach? When I look at the book of Acts, I think about Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is such an interesting passage because especially I look at verses 5 through 12. If you look at the context here, Acts 8 verses 5 through 12, Stephen has just been killed by Saul. We know that Saul is wreaking havoc within the church. He is pulling Christians out of their homes, dragging them into prison, killing them, persecuting them, doing all that he can to destroy the church. And thus, Christians are scattering and teaching as they go. Then we are introduced to a man by the name of Philip. Philip is someone who has been healing demon-possessed people. He has been healing paralyzed people. He has been healing lame people. And he's been doing all of this good for the cause of Jesus Christ. And then we are introduced to Simon the Sorcerer. Simon is someone who used to dishonestly make his money using sorcery and magic. Now, obviously, he knew that it wasn't real, but the people around him didn't, and thus he was deceiving them for his own material gain. But I notice here, if you look at verse 5, the Bible says that when Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them, I want to back up, that he went down to the city of Samaria, and I think, again, I read it like that because I think far too often we quickly pass over it. That Philip went down to the city of Samaria and what? Preached Christ to them. He didn't preach Philip. He didn't preach Paul. He didn't preach anybody else. He preached Christ. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he, notice this, preached the things concerning, notice this, the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Philip knew that every single person needed the preaching of Jesus Christ. He knew who Jesus was, what Jesus had done. That's all you and I ever need to be teaching, wherever it is that you and I might be. You know, I go back to verse 3 of 2 Peter chapter 1, where the Bible says, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. When, when I think about life and godliness, you know, I first think about how God has granted us life. You and I understand that without God, we are literally nothing. It is from him and through him that we are able to do what we do. You and I, we are so intricately designed Psalm 139 verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And yet not only is he, is he our creator, but he's also our sustainer of life. Within the Bible is our roadmap. It is our guide on how to successfully make it through this life, not only physically, but thinking spiritually. John 6 and verse 68, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. John 11 and verse 25, Jesus said that he is the resurrection and the life. John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We want to have that blessed spiritual life, and yet how do we do that? We do it through living a life of godliness. You see how all of this goes together? God has given you and I everything that we need in order to live holy and righteous and blameless lives. That word godliness, it translates to this word devout, God-like. How do you live your life? Do you live your life like God would have lived his life here on this earth? Peter says, you want everything that pertains to life and godliness? That's great. But how? How do we get it? How do we obtain it? How do we find all these things that pertain to life and godliness? Where do you get it? 
once again through the knowledge of him. I can't say it enough. If you want grace and you want peace, verse 2, if you want life and you want godliness, you find it where? Through your knowledge of God. Everything that you and I could ever need in this life, it is found and will always be found through Almighty God. In fact, I think about 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's interesting when I think about this idea of all things. Verse 15, Paul is telling Timothy that the scriptures that he has known are going to make him wise concerning what? Salvation. But here's the interesting thing. Where is that salvation found? Through faith and obedient faith, yes, but then where? In Christ Jesus. We understand the church is considered the body of Christ, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. You get into that body through baptism, Galatians 3 and verse 27. It's simple. And yet, there seems to be so much confusion. You look at our religious world and you see every single form of salvation and doctrine that there ever could be, which I guess begs the question, why? Why are there so many different beliefs? You know, truthfully and very, very quickly, I think it boils down to this idea of pride. Why else would anyone veer off from obeying the Bible if it wasn't for someone wanting to do their own will and not wanting to submit to God's will? In fact, I think about how Brother B.J. Clark talked about this idea, has talked about it before, um, how it all boils down to our lives not agreeing with Scripture. And so in order to appease ourselves and make ourselves feel better, we'll just say, ah, let's just go create our own different religion. Let's just go create our own different beliefs so we can set the limits and we can set the rules. Brothers and sisters, that's not how it works. Friends and listeners, that's not how it works. There were rules in my parents' house. And if I didn't like it or I didn't want to follow them, I mean, I guess I could have walked out and tried to live out on my own, but that wouldn't have worked very well for me. You see, every child understands and knows that their father wants what is best for them. And through his wisdom, he sets and they set, talking about the parents, they set boundaries and rules that have to be followed. God has a way that you and I must live. And if we don't live that way, we bring trouble to ourselves. And we end up jeopardizing our souls. Very, very quickly, as we close this episode, before we dive into any Christian graces, we'll get into that next week. But very, very quickly, I want to talk about this, this word corruption. If you notice the last part of verse 4 of 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to notice the word corruption here. When I look at when I when I think about corruption, I think about the word decay, and I, I think about the word um, I, whether not the word, but I think about this idea of something decomposing and how nasty and terrible and difficult that is. And when I think about all of that, I think about sin, because I think about how that is exactly what sin does to our lives. In fact, I want you to listen to a passage. Isaiah chapter 1, beginning of verse 4. The Bible says, Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why would you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed up or bound up or soothed with ointment. The decay, the corruption, the disease that sin causes, physically, emotionally, spiritually, it's not worth it. It never is worth it. First John 2 and verse 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it will always, always, always lead to corruption. But then I also think about the flip side of that. 
you have the corruption, the terrible nature of sin, the, tor- the, the horrible things that it does, but then you have the promises. John chapter 14, beginning of verse 1, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What a beautiful promise it is to us as Christians who live faithful lives. That is how we live a Christian life. And that is the end result of living a Christian life. Next, we will dive into the first Christian grace, and we will talk about some of those things and how it pertains to our lives. But as for now, thank you so much for tuning in and being with us for this particular episode of the Transformed Podcast. As always, you can find all of our links within our show notes below, and I hope that you would do that if that is a desire of yours. Again, I'm so thankful that you're with us. Check out everything else that the network has to offer. And as always, as we end every single episode, thank you so much, and may God bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.